0: Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Halgrimson. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't been to the website, I do recommend you go to truepatriotministries.org and just peruse through the website. There's the blog page. That's where we put all our notes uh, from each one of the recordings. And then there is the video page and the podcast page where you can pick up those recordings and listen or watch. Or you can feel free to go to Roku and, and you'll find us on Roku. Just go to the channel store, search out True Patriot Ministries, and uh, just add us to your channel lineup. And then you can sit back and you can watch the videos that we have recorded. Glory to God. So I'm glad you're here with me today. We've been in a series called Walk With Jesus, and we've done John the Baptist Part 1 and 2, and we've done Jesus Part 1. we're in Part 2 of Jesus right now, and so we're going to go up to the point just before Jesus is born, because I don't want to put too much information in each recording. I want just enough that you can get it, and you can go back and digest it if you need to. So let's start out with. Here are three of the scriptures that I really enjoy, um, and I want you to see in here. Okay, and so I'll probably go over these every time we talk about Jesus. I'll probably go over these three scriptures just to to put it out there for you. So John one. Verses one through five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him nothing was created that was created. In Him was life, and life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. That verse I like because of a number of reasons, but the biggest reason is the very last verse. Well, first of all, Jesus is part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy ghost. Jesus was in the beginning. He is the word. And so when it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, it's referring to Jesus. Now, In him was life. He's talking about the spirit of life, which is what we get when we receive salvation. He takes the spirit. of He takes sin and death away from us. He overcomes it with the spirit of life. Okay. And that's what he's talking about there. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. Now, what I really like about this is the light shines in darkness, but darkness cannot overcome the light. Test it. Go into a dark room. Pull your curtains shut. Turn the lights out. It's black. Flip the light on. It's it's light. Darkness does not overcome the light until you get up and physically remove that light. Darkness cannot prevail. And so that's what he's saying here. Darkness cannot overcome the light. It doesn't have the power or the authority to overcome the light, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he won that victory for us once and for all. Now, let's read John chapter five, verse 19. It says, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. And I want to couple that with John 8, 26. And that is, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Well, What's he saying here? These two verses go together because what he's saying is, look, I'm Jesus. I came to the earth as a man. I gave up my godly uh, powers. Right. I separated myself from them and I came into the world as a physical man so that I could take care of the devil once and for all. I could take care of sin and death once and for all. I could fulfill the law once and for all as a man. And therefore I, as a man can take everything that you are supposed to suffer upon me and I can nail it to the cross and it will be paid for. Right. And so he came into the earth as a man For many reasons, but one of the reasons, too, is to show us that we can walk through the earth as a man and we can do these things. Okay, what he's referring to here is seeing the father do. I also do and and hearing what the father says. It's the same because when we receive salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in us. He witnesses with our spirit. So quite easily what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit hears from God the Father, right? And he witnesses with our spirits. So we have a direct communication. It may not be uh, physically visible. It may not be physically audible, but it is spiritually, okay? And, and we just can't deny that. It's there. Now, don't get off into hearing voices and all of that. We're not talking about, you know, all of that. We're talking about true spiritual uh, beliefs, Okay. Biblical. And so now we're going to jump into uh, genealogy. And I said that because you're going to be able to, quote unquote, hear from the Lord. He's going to correct your path. Right. Remember, God said, look, man makes the plans. I make the path. I straighten the path. And so if we have the Holy Spirit living in us then as we walk our path here on the earth, he's going to correct us from time to time. He's going to say, no, don't go there, go here. He's going to say, don't go, stop. He's going to say, don't stop, go. You know, he's going to speak to us through our spirit. He's going to witness with us. And, and that's that. what God's talking about. We can make all the plans we want to, but God directs our path. And if we will give him place and we will, allow him to speak into our lives, then we will always be on the path that God gives us. Glory to God. That's good. Now, genealogy, I'm going to apologize. I get a little bored with genealogy. Maybe later in life, I won't. But at this time, genealogy, it just, the magic of it kind of escapes me. And so... I'm going to go through this really quick. Um, You can go to the website. There's some verses attached to each of the people that I talk about, and you can read those verses. But I want to go through this really quick. Um, So in Matthew 1.1, it reads, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right. So now what I've done is I went through the genealogy, and then I just wrote down the most prominent names that we're aware of. Okay, And now what we're doing is we're going to cover from Adam to Jesus, Okay, because that genealogy, that lineage is important according to the prophetic word in the Old Testament. Um, but I want you to see this here. I'm just going to cover the, the ones that I, mo- I most relate with. Uh, they're most prominent. So, of course, you've got Adam in the beginning, right? And they had Cain and Abel, and then they had Seth. Uh, Seth came about because Cain killed Abel, and then there was no one who was walking with God because Cain became hard-hearted and turned his back on God. Abel was dead, and so they had a third child, and his name was Seth. And then Seth, um, he had Enos, and... Once Enos was born, it makes the bold statement of saying, and then man began to communicate with God again or call upon the name of the Lord again. Uh, So from Seth, we got Enoch. Enoch was important because he walked with God. Anytime you read in the word of God, somebody's name, and then it says, and they walked with God or he walked with God. That's big. Because it's not spoken of very often in the Bible. Okay. That means it was a rarity. It was not common. All right. And. uh, It's probably not common today either. I mean. Glory to God. We should have more of us walking with God. And I, I desire to walk with God at the level that Enoch did. At the level that. These others did. And, and we'll see more of them. So there's Enoch. And then there's Noah. And we know about Noah because of the great flood and all the things that he did. He listened to God when the rest of the world wouldn't. Okay. So we're talking generations after the, after uh, he created Adam. We have a population in the world where <laughs> one family is walking with God and God's got to work through them to repopulate the earth after the flood. To me, it's amazing. It it truly is. Uh, It shouldn't be, but it always amazes me because and I'm not going to say that my walk with God is the same as Enoch's because it's obviously not. I'm still here. But it's it's a strong walk with God. I, I'm, I'm st- I still desire more. I, I'm still hungry. I'm still uh, seeking and knocking. Right. And, and so to me, to, to read the statement that. Uh, it came down to one family. Prior to the flood, one family. And I'm thinking, wow, that's it must have been bad. It must have been really bad. And so, uh, see, so have Noah, and of course Noah, he had, uh, he had Shem, he had two other sons, Ham, and Jephthah, I believe. And, and there was an issue there with Ham, Ham, excuse me, um, after the flood. Go in there, read it. it. It's we would probably find it mildly amusing, but there's some seriousness there because it goes back to honoring the things of God, right? So what happened in a nutshell was that uh, Noah drank a little too much, and he passed out, and he was naked, and his blanket came off of him. And his son went into the tent and saw him naked. And instead of doing the right thing by covering him back up, instead he went and got his brothers and was laughing and joking about his dad being naked, he was dishonoring, dishonoring, a man of God, basically. And uh, but Shem and Jepheth went back and covered Abraham, or not Abraham, excuse me, Noah up. I mean, they backed into the tent and everything covered him up. They honored the man of God. They honored the things of God. And so, when you go in and you read that story, what you'll find is that Ham. <laughs> It doesn't bode well for him, right? And because Shem was the holy one there, what ends up happening is Noah ends up passing the blessing. So you have the blessing that was given to Adam. Well, we we'll get into we'll get into that in a minute. Let me not get ahead of myself. So then we have Shem, right? And then uh, Abraham and from abraham of course you've got isaac you've got jacob and from jacob you go on down then you get david and then you have joseph who is to marry mary he's to be wed to mary i should say it that way it sounds a little better and so there's a lot of a lot of information in that lineage i just gleaned the ones that are are most popular, most commonly known. And so that you can see from Adam all the way to Jesus. Because that is the lineage. That's the chosen lineage, right? So in Luke, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. We're going to start covering a little bit about Jesus. We got away from the lineage here. We're going to cover a little bit about Jesus here uh, prior to his birth. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. It would be a little bit alarming. This angel comes into your house and and says what he said. And you're going, well, that's kind of a weird greeting. Who are you? So uh, I would question it myself. Now, in verse 30, we see the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. How many of us want to hear that? Do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Glory to God. That's good. Excuse me. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end then mary said to the angel now how can this be since i have not known a man an angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be, to me according to your word and the angel departed from her there's so much in that and that's why I like it now I'm going to touch on the last thing first and that is she said let it be to me according to your word she she received what he said she received the responsibility of carrying the son of god okay and That's great, because when you go back and you look at so many of the places in the Word where they talk about uh, an angel visiting somebody, uh, whether it was Sarai, Abram's wife, who laughed when she said, now the Lord's going to give me a child, you know, Um, and and several other places, It, it just, but no, Mary said, glory to God, yes. I received that responsibility and I will, so be it unto me. Right? And she did that. Now, the other thing I want you to see is that, and you'll see this later in scripture. When they started reading the prophecy about Jesus taking over the throne of David and ruling the house of Jacob, there were a lot in Israel who believed that he would do this in the physical kingdom here in the, or in this world. Um, They, they misunderstood or didn't, they were confused. And so they thought, you know, so when Jesus did show up on the scene, uh, there was an element of them who thought he was going to go to war with Rome and uh, kick Rome out and take his throne and rule. And, and that was not the case. Afraid of Jesus, he thought he was here to physically take his throne. Right? And so, but that was not the case. It, it was a matter of confusion on their part. And you'll see that later in Scripture. Now, let's jump down and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23. And what I've chosen to do is to go over the people and follow the people instead of following the Gospels. So if we were to follow the Gospels, Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John, we're going to repeat a lot of material, okay? Because they all captured uh, the substance of it, but they each one has different nuances to what they captured because they are different people with different outlooks. And so I don't want to go through all of it that way. What I want to do is walk with you through the New Testament with Jesus, and we're going to see Jesus uh, through the whole thing, and then we'll see each person. and And what I'll do is so, like, if there's uh, so, like, the genealogy, right? If we look back at the genealogy, it is covered in Matthew, but it's also covered in Luke chapter three. Right, And I put that down as a reference, so when you see the notes, you'll see that reference there. But I don't need to go through Matthew and then go over to Luke and go through it. I can just go through one of the two. Now, if there's any differences and nuances, I'll capture that and and make note of it. So now let's look at, so we went through Luke, right? So now I want to go through Matthew. So in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23, it reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord... Appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That prophetic word came through Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. A couple of things I want to point out is that Joseph's initial reaction, because he had love in his heart, was not to shame her publicly, but to put her away Privately, right? Because her being pregnant, obviously they hadn't laid together. That was a very shameful, very sinful thing. Now, the angel of the Lord, again, so you have Mary is visited by Gabriel. Now, they don't say this is Gabriel here. But so you have Mary who's visited by an angel of the Lord. And then you get Joseph visited by what could be possibly a different angel of the Lord. But their accounts witness to one another. Right. And and, and the Lord says that you will have two or three witnesses. To a thing. And so we have at least two here. And then Elizabeth, really, Elizabeth makes three. So it's just so great that the. God's word proves itself out. It, it's amazing. And so, uh, you can look at, so part of the prophecies, like I said, Isaiah 7, 14, and you can look at Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, and then, uh, let's see here, you can go to, let's jump down to Luke, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, all right, And it reads now, Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. All right. So um, I'm going to assume that she just got out of the public eye so that they wouldn't see that she was pregnant prior to getting married. Um, That's opinion. I, I may be wrong. So. She arose, she went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, we covered Zacharias and Elizabeth and John, one, John the Baptist, part one and part two. And, and it's a great story. And if you missed it, go back and get it. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm, that's good. She hadn't even, you know, done, they haven't visited. Nothing. She heard the greeting and her babe. So John the Baptist, whom Zacharias prophesied would be filled from the womb with the Holy Spirit. Obviously he was because he heard Mary's voice and he leapt in her womb. And then his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God, that's good. Right? Now, look how... Let's look here real quick. I want you to get this because Elizabeth so honors Mary because she honors the things of God. All right. So that speaks to honoring God. And it says in verse 42, then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. This is Elizabeth to Mary and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voices of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Glory to God. So there's that third witness, right? She's confirming what the Lord said through the angel to Mary, to Joseph, and now Elizabeth. And it's so good. So we've got our three witnesses there. I want to stop right there because I don't want to go into the birth of Jesus just yet. I don't want to save that for part three. What I do want to do is talk about the blessing. And so I'm going to have to lay some groundwork and then I can really dig into it. So let's look at Hebrews chapter seven, verses one through three, and we're going to talk about Melchizedek. Now, what I want you to understand about Melchizedek is it's a title, not a person. Okay. Now, there's a person who fills the position that belongs to that title, and that's Shem. Okay. And then uh, later on, that is Jesus. And you see that later. We'll see that later in the New Testament. It'll speak to Jesus um, being high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So in Hebrews chapter seven and in verses one through three, it reads for this Melchizedek, King of Salem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the Kings and blessed him to whom Also, Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. And we're talking about Melchizedek here. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. You're talking about the position here, okay? Now, Glory to God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 9 and verses 26 through 29. And it reads, and he, and he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Jepheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Okay. Now, if you look at Genesis 11, 11, right? So it reads that after he begot Arphaxet, Shem lived 500 years and begot sons and daughters. Now we're going through lineage again, and this is important. So this is a part of the lineage that falls between Shem and, and the next. It, it, it's, and it's important. Why is it important? Well, We'll get to that in just a minute. It has to do with the blessing. Okay. And and I want you to, there is a difference. There's a, in my opinion, there's a difference. There is the blessing that God put on Abraham, right? Or the blessing of Abraham. But then there's the blessing, the original blessing that God gave to Adam, that God put on Adam. And that is passed down through the lineage to key people, right? Right and now is being passed from Abraham or from shem excuse me who is melchizedek the the high priest to abraham now if you look at a, a strongs concordance for the word melchizedek it's going to be a greek word 3198 and it is a patriarch Thayer's definition calls it the king of righteousness, the king of Salem, uh, priest of the most high God who lived in the days of Abraham. Right. And it's only used eight times in the New Testament. And that's in Hebrews, all eight times. And so when we look at Melchizedek, we notice he's, it, it's also the title of the high priest. Right. Of whom we see in verse three. And, and this is not in the order of Levi. Okay. So, but it comes from outside the order of the priests. So you had the order of the priests, right? That came down through the lineage, Aaron, all through the Levites. And and then uh, this high priest doesn't come from that lineage. And that's what he's saying here. He comes from outside. He was chosen by God. Uh, He's considered a patriarch because he was pre-flood. Shem was born before the flood. So he came into the ark and he came with Noah, who was also a patriarch, into the world after the flood. And Noah, so Shem was the only one that Noah passed the blessing to, is what I want to say, after exiting the ark. Uh, Shem was the last of the patriarchs and he lived 500 years Uh, From his time, man's years began to come into line with God's promise of 120 years. Okay, so from him on down, you're going to start seeing the years of their length. The length of their years dwindle to the point of about 120 years. So if you study out the genealogy of Shem, what you're going to see is that he was 390 years old when Abraham was born. Now, the challenge people have is they say, "Well, there was Noah; they came over. Shem came with them in the ark, and really, he lived that long that he ran into Abraham, which is like his great 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 grandson or something like that, and uh, and passed the blessing to him. How's that possible? Well, we see right here through his lineage. So, when Abram, who became Abraham, was born. Shem was already 390 years old, and we already know he lived to 500. So, I mean, 390, 10, that's 400. So there's 110 years left uh, after Abram's birth in which it was possible for the two to meet. Then if you jump over to Abram in Genesis, and you will see that he was 75 years old when he left Haran. So he had stayed in Haran with his father Terah up to that point And so it had to be after he was 75 years old that he met Shem or Melchizedek, okay? And so if you add that together, that would put Shem at about 465 years old, which is still less than 500 years old. And so you have a 35-year window where that could have happened. Actually, it's not even a 35-year window. It's, so now somewhere between 75 and 86 years old, Ishmael's born to Abram. Um so some in somewhere in there before he had Ishmael, I'm assuming that he met Shem, right? And this is important because one, it's possible and and two, he's the only one Noah passed the blessing to. Okay, you have to go back to Noah and look at it. And what you're going to see is that when they came out of the ark, there was Noah and his three sons and their wives. Ham embarrassed Noah, disgraced Noah, dishonored Noah. And so no blessing was given to him. Right. As a matter of fact, Ham's son, Canaan, was, in, was uh, put in a position of servanthood to Shem who was the honorable one of the three and the one that walked with God and the one that received the blessing from Noah. Jephthah received a place in Shem's household so that he would always be cared for. And so Shem is the one that received the blessing. There was none out of the three other than him who could. Right. And so then, and we know that Jesus comes through the lineage of Shem who was Melchizedek, and so does Abram, David, all these come through him. And so that blessing that God put on Abram, or excuse me, on Adam in the beginning, is passed down through the lineage to Jesus. And that's what I wanted you to see. And then, uh, and again, I don't believe it's the same blessing As the blessing of Abraham, because God blessed Abraham, I believe, prior to his meeting of Melchizedek, because it was, Lot was still on the scene. They were struggling. They were being separated. You know, God blessed him. And it was a good thing. Um, And so when you go back and you read about Abram, I think you'll agree with me. And if I'm mistaken, I'll get corrected. Trust me. (laughs) Glory to God. So let's look at Genesis chapter one, and we're going to read verses 27 through 31. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. So it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw that everything he had made And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What's important about that? Well, I wanted you to see this. So God created man in the image of himself. Right. And then right there in verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion, replenish. That is the blessing that God put on Adam that's passed down. All right. Now, I believe that differs from the blessing of Abraham, which to me, the blessing of Abraham has more to do with prosperity than it does to do with the work that God put Adam on the earth for. Okay. The blessing that we get through Adam carries with it a work. and and the blessing is the resources necessary to fulfill that work. And what was that work? It was to subdue the earth, to be blessed, to multiply, to subdue, to have dominion, right? To replenish the earth. And Eden was our model. And then we were supposed to take, and Adam was supposed to take that blessing and go to work outside of Eden and replenish the earth Uh, That never happened because prior to him going outside Eden, he fell. Right? But the work and the blessing never went away. The, the, The task that God put us here for in the first place is still here for us to fulfill. Now, let's look at Genesis. I want to look at Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. It says, Then Melchizedek because see now don't get confused before when we looked at it it was in hebrews when we talked about melchizedek it was in hebrews right now we're looking at genesis and it says that melchizedek king of salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of god most high and he blessed him abram And said, Blessed be Abram of God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. So here's where Melchizedek, who is Shem, who received the blessing from Noah, his father, he's passing it on. So, And this tells you another tale. So between Noah and Abram, there are generations. Right. Or excuse me, not Noah, Shem and Abram, there are generations that tells me that in those generations, there were none worthy to receive the blessing from Shem. And so it 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 passed a generation, passed a generation, passed a generation till it came to Abram. Okay, and so, yes, God passes over those who refuse to do what he calls them to do. We have the right. We have free will. Glory to God. Uh, we can refuse Jesus. We can refuse uh, any call God puts on our life. We can refuse to receive the Bible as the, as the truth. Uh, we have free will. We can refuse or we can receive, right? We can say yes, we can say no. And so between Shem and Abram are multiple generations who, they didn't qualify. To receive the blessing that God had put on Adam. And so Abram proved himself. Now he didn't know he was proving himself, he just knew he was walking with God. And so Melchizedek here in Genesis 14, 18 through 20, he's transferring that blessing from God. Okay, that passed down through the generations to him, and he's now passing it to Abram. Who later on becomes Abraham, has Isaac, that blessings pass through Isaac and Jacob and on down the lineage. And it goes to Jesus. It comes to us through Jesus, who is now our high priest. But that blessing is ours to receive. Glory to God. And we receive it through Jesus. And we can either do the work or we not. We can either receive the blessing or we can refuse it. Uh, We can either walk with God or we can walk with the world. You know, that's our free will, our choice. And so it's a choice that you have also and a choice that you have to decide for. I can't tell you which way to go. Nobody can command you do this. You you can say yes, you can say no. Abram said yes. Abraham said glory to God, thankful he did, said yes. I do believe that if Abraham had said no, Shem would have lived until he found a generation that would receive it. As it was, he didn't live that many years after Abram received the blessing. Okay? Because we already know from the notes that there was a possibility of 35 years and you take part of that off um, there was only a, a maybe a 10-year window somewhere in there. So he might have lived up to 15, 20 years after Abram, but that's about it. And so we see that he did. So Shem is Melchizedek, the high priest. He passes the blessing on to Abraham. And that, like I said, that blessing comes down through the lineage, through Jesus Christ to us. And that's important. Why? Because we have work to do. We still have that blessing on us. Glory to God. What God say, be blessed, multiply, be fruitful. Subdue, have dominion, replenish. It's what we're called to do. That's part of being a son and a daughter of God, right? And then we all have callings on our lives for certain things, that fit into the body of Christ. And uh, not all of it is to stand behind a pulpit. Not all of it's to be in the choir. Not all of it is to uh, be behind the television screen or whatever. I mean, it's, or the camera, excuse me. Uh, It's, every one of us has a different call. Some of us may just have a call to serve, you know, who knows, maybe the elderly. um, To care for the widows, the true widows. To teach to babysit, to pump gas, whatever it is. But Jesus tells us, and we'll cover this in Scripture, He tells us, man, you do everything as if you're doing it to Jesus, as if you're doing it for Him. You honor the things of God. If He called you to pump gas, be the best one you can. But do it with honor, do it with integrity. Do it with the love of Jesus in your heart. And uh, it, there's no call that's insignificant. None. None. Glory to God. There are some churches, um, some congregations that I've been to that have just impressed the daylights out of me because they assign the same honor to bathroom duty or parking lot duty as they do to being behind the pulpit. And speaking the word of God. And it's beautiful to watch because people honor the position they're put in and they perform as if they're doing it for Christ. And it's beautiful. And I would myself personally, I'd like to see that in more, more congregations, um, one last thing I want to say, this is totally off the subject, but this has been brought up to me several times in the last weeks. so I think it's important to speak to. It's not the least of these things. It's probably one of the most of these things, and that is unity uh, between congregations. And you know what? That's Let me call it out like it is. It's called the unity of Christ, the unity uh, of the body of Christ. There's only one body of Christ, and we are all members thereof. And so we need to get rid of the denominational restrictions. We need to get rid of the thought process of, well, I'm of this camp or I'm of that camp. Even Paul spoke to that when he spoke about who is of Apollos, who is of Paul. Who are we? We're just men. One sows, one waters, but God does the work. And so we need to get away from these denominational restrictions. And we need to tear down the walls that the devil has come into the church and built up. Because we can't be divided. If we're divided, we're going to fall. And what a waste of the victory that Jesus Christ has already secured. That would be. And so I'm here to tell you right now, we have the same Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one Jesus. There's only one God. All right? The same Holy Spirit lives in me that lives in any other believer who has truly received Jesus Christ in their heart as their Lord and Savior. And so the Holy Spirit will not battle against itself against himself because then he's divided. He would fall. He's not divided and he will not fall. Jesus is not divided. He will not fall. God's not divided. He's not going to fall. If the body of Christ continues to divide itself, it will fall. And so we need to come together, get rid of the division. I don't care if, I really don't care what denomination you're from. I should be able to sit down with you at a table and we should be able to talk about scripture and have a good time doing it. And there should be no strife. No division. None. Glory to God. We're not called to divide and conquer. We're called to be one body. To be the bride of Christ. The church of Christ. So let's, uh, pastors, ministers, teachers, I'm talking to you right now. Glory to God. Congregations, I'm talking to you. We have brothers and sisters in the Lord all over the world. And every one of them's got the same Holy Spirit. And we need to start acting like. Christians, and stop acting like the world. And if we are divided by what denomination or what church we belong to, and a church is just a physical building, we should have never adopted that word um, to represent anything other than the Church of Christ, the Ecclesia. So, you know, wherever you assemble, wherever you congregate, there should not be any division with any others who are following Christ. And so we need to get beyond that. We need to, to, uh, glory to God. We need to elevate. We need to stand in our victory. We need to learn the Word of God truthfully and, uh, encourage and uplift each other. It's, Glory to God. we got a great thing coming ahead of us. When Jesus comes again, and I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. I want you prepared. Praise God. And so let's, uh, yeah, let's put the bickering away. Let's put the division away. It doesn't belong with us. It's not of us and we should be refusing it in Jesus' name. And so pastors, teach your congregations. It's one Holy Spirit and it's the same spirit in me that's in you and the same spirit in you that's in anybody else that's a believer. Okay, let's tear it down. Well, let's not, let's not tear them down. Let's just destroy these ties that have bound us to the world. And let's be the body of Christ that he called us out to be. Glory to God. So I'm going to end with that. Look, I love you guys. Um, I don't get upset with Christians. I get upset with worldly ways that leak their way into the the body of Christ because they have no place there. Um, and if it's never pointed out, then no correction can ever come. And so, yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. Uh, This has been a great message. We're going to continue on next. It will cover the birth of Jesus Christ and go from there. And we're just going to keep walking with Jesus because we want to know who Jesus is. Uh, We want to know and understand the experiences he had because some of those experiences are the self-same experiences that we're supposed to have in our lives. And if we don't understand it in his life, how are we going to understand how it fits into our life? Right? Right? And so I want you to know and to understand this. Um, for me, it's exciting. There's new things that even when I sit here and I, I, uh, I have my sheets, right? I got my notes and I speak with you. God's constantly showing me things constantly. And it's all I can do to interrupt myself and tell you about them. But it may not be the time or the place. So I don't always interrupt myself, right? And tell you about it. But, uh, oh, and one last note. Glory to God. So at the end of the notes, you'll see I have a section called Resources That Will Help You Build Knowledge and Understanding. Real quickly, I'll read these out. Um, There's a handful of books. So by Kenneth E. Hagan, The Believer's Authority, Legacy Edition. And then there's How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. And then The Name of Jesus, Legacy Edition. And by Jerry Savelle, Living in the Fullness of the Blessing. Uh, By Billy Brim, The Blood and the Glory. By Kenneth Copeland, Covenant Made by Blood. And by E.W. Kenyon, The Blood Covenant. Now, Kenneth Copeland's Covenant Made by Blood, I believe that's an MP3 download with a a physical study guide. And so those are resources I do recommend. Especially the Kenneth E. Hagan. They're going to help you tremendously start to know and to understand how God fits into your life through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And it's a good, solid teaching. Simple, solid teaching. So, anyway, we love you guys. Have a blessed Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. And uh, glory to God. Jesus is Lord.